It is easy enough to confuse one's own experience of the world with the reality of the world itself, but none of us will ever live every success, every tragedy, every experience available. This is as true of the world at large as it is true of every country, every city, every block, every street. We simply will never understand the lives of our neighbors, close or distant, as well as we do our own. This makes governing, oftentimes the act of deciding how the other will live, rather difficult. Democracy requires a remarkable amount of empathy, the ability to understand others' lived experiences as real and valid and, apparently, the most difficult of all, the ability to acknowledge that sometimes our own lived experiences are not entirely or at all representative of the status quo. The Broadway audience, for instance, does not represent America. This is, for the most part, rather obvious, but it's worth noting that, as of the most recent Broadway League report, almost 40% of the Broadway audience is from the New York City area, 81% hold a college degree, 41% hold a graduate degree, and the average household income is a whopping $222,000 a year. A lot of noise was made on the GOP side of the 2015 presidential primary about what exactly the real America was, with the general conclusion being that real America was not coastal America, liberal New York or San Francisco, but rather middle America, the America of cornfields and conservatism. This may speak well to corn-fed conservative voters, but it is no more true than its reverse would be. The question becomes, is there a real America? And if we can agree that there isn't a one America at all, but rather a country as diverse as the people in it, what do we mean when we speak of America? What experiences do we focus on? What experiences do we discard? A musical that was staring down the face of the new millennium had a lot to say on this subject. This musical tasked itself at the end of the 20th century with re-examining the beginning of the 20th century and asking, what exactly was the American experience this past century? And what can it teach us as we move forward to the next? This is Take a Left, a series about the intersection of musical theater and politics. And today we're talking about ragtime and what is America. The 1996 musical Ragtime by Terrence McNally, Lynn Ahrens, and Stephen Flaherty, based on the book by E.L. Doctorow, covers the turn of the 20th century in America through the eyes of three social groups, the white upper class, the black lower class, and the newly arrived immigrants hoping to move from the latter to the former. This compartmentalization of the incredibly varied demographics of the time might be simplistic, but it does serve as a useful framing for ragtime to criticize our limited understanding of our own history, arguing that while the America we may learn and think fondly of when we look back at this heavily romanticized era may have existed in part, there were many other Americas that we are forgetting, that of the free but no less oppressed blacks as well as that of the marginalized immigrants who tolerated abysmal conditions in slums only because they were fleeing even worse conditions in Eastern Europe. The focal point of the immigrant narrative in Ragtime is Tate, a Jewish artist from Latvia who has brought his daughter to America on a ragship in order to create a better life for them both. To begin with, he is incredibly hopeful about his chances. Here in America, anyone at all can succeed. America, here in America. Do what you do, and the world will come to you guaranteed. America, we're in this American dream mindset is introduced with a visual metaphor. Harry Houdini, a successful immigrant, appears above a crowd escaping from chains. This may read as an endorsement of the American dream until Houdini says of himself, Not for all his achievements, he knew he was only an illusionist. The illusion is broken for Tata and his daughter once they have spent some time in the slums. Look at my daughter, God. Why have you brought us here? How can I feed her or clothe or protect her here? Where's the America we were supposed to get? 
Was it a silhouette? When Tate does finally make it in America, he recognizes that his success was not inevitable or preordained, saying, Anyone can get lucky in America. I remind myself of this every day. The America that Ragtime presents is an illusion. A country that bills itself as the land of golden opportunity, but in reality cares very little for those without. As Emma Goldman, one of the historical characters in the play, says, The angry, fetid tenements of the Lower East Side were worse than anything Tata and his wife had suffered in Latvia. The black narrative of Ragtime follows Sarah and pianist Colehouse, two lovers with an infant child. After a racist attack is committed against them by local firemen, Sarah attends a campaign rally to seek help in finding justice, but is instead beaten to death by the Secret Service for the crime of being black. Colehouse, continuing his doomed attempts at racial justice in America, begins a reign of terror, killing firemen and bombing firehouses, aided by other young black men who are sympathetic to his cause. Eventually, the conflict escalates to the point that Colehouse and his men forcefully occupy J.P. Morgan's New York City Library, threatening to demolish the building. Another historical figure, Booker T. Washington, is sent in an attempt to get Colehouse and his men to peacefully surrender, which they do, at which point Colehouse is shot dead. The black America of ragtime begins optimistically enough. These aren't slaves or even sharecroppers, but free black Americans able to make good money, buy cars, and settle down, or so Sarah and Colehouse have been illusioned into believing. Tragically, the reality of post-slavery American racism catches up with them, and the audience sees, through the way they are treated, that freedom and equality may have been the American aspirations at the time, but they were not realities. Colehouse can't buy a car without having it vandalized, Sarah can't approach a politician without being beaten, and both die needlessly at the hands of the American justice system in their vain attempts at seeking just that, justice. The immigrant and black narratives of ragtime contrast each other, with Tata and his daughter beginning at the very bottom and somehow rising to the top, while Sarah and Colehouse initially see a bright future for themselves, but both wind up dead. The white narrative of ragtime is, at least initially, blind to the immigrant and black American experience. As the white upper class sings in the opening number, Ladies with parasols, fellows with tennis balls, there were no Negroes and there were no immigrants. As such, they are perfectly content with the America they live in, the white America, that is. The character of Father literally made his fortune off of the manufacture of fireworks and bunting and other accoutrements of patriotism meaning that he literally profits off of selling the American dream, a perfect metaphor for Capital's relationship with Americana. The character of Grandfather... Grandfather had been a professor of Greek and Latin. Making his whiteness incredibly overt. Together, the family sings that... This sublime music that appears so distant to the white upper class is actually black music, ragtime. But it does not remain distant for long. Ragtime is, essentially, about the different Americas finally seeing each other. Through various contrivances, the different social groups are forced into each other's narratives until they cannot ignore each other any longer. This begins when Father, sailing off from America, spots Tata sailing to America. Father and Tata see each other and, at this early point in both their narratives, neither understands the other at all. When Father comes back from his voyage to find Sarah and her child living in his home, a metaphor for desegregation, he is quite irritated. But over the course of the two acts, as the characters are thrust deeper into each other's lives, 
They begin not only to see and hear each other, but to understand each other. The character of Mother is the first to do so, showing immediate sympathy for Sarah's plight. Tata's success allows him to understand the upper class, and when Colehouse is, at the end of his rampage, convinced by Washington to surrender, he pleads with his men not to go quietly into the night, but to make them hear you. It is also worth noting that the historical figures placed into the fictional story of Ragtime are all symbols of class crossover. Emma Goldman, the radical anarchist speaker, is notable for her ability to understand and sympathize with the plight of others, often the less fortunate. This is communicated within the musical by her ability to read the thoughts of other characters. Booker T. Washington, the famous black intellectual, is notable for his desire to bring the black and white races together. Henry Ford, the industrialist and magnate, had many faults, but was still able to bring the luxury of the American car to the middle class. J.P. Morgan, the wealthy businessman, was conscious enough of his surroundings to bail his country out from economic disaster twice. And Harry Houdini, the wondrous illusionist, was born a lower-class immigrant who died an American celebrity. Ragtime does not land on a single American experience. Instead, it offers that the only methods of understanding what America is lie in crossing paths with those who've lived a different experience than ourselves and communicating our lived experiences to others. As Colehouse demands, Go out and tell our story let it echo far and wide make them hear you make them hear you